episode 221 of the Anarchist News Podcast, a digest and or conversations on anarchist activity, ideas, and conversations from the previous week on anarchistnews.org. What's new this week? The Anarchists Targeted by Pegasus from Freedom News UK. The title would have been more accurately, A Few of the Anarchists Targeted by Pegasus. Pegasus is a huge topic in some circles right now, at least among journalists, who have also, along with anarchists, been targeted by governments using this software that owns phones. This piece focuses on a few activists, one who official sources say killed himself, though friends and family refute this. It's too bad there's not a bit more technical information like any apps that can work against the spyware, or, you know, how to get through the day without your phone. Quote, Bayram Mamadov's story is only one of hundreds, thousands, even millions. It is a story of the silencing of journalists for speaking and uncovering the truth, and is a story of the imprisonment, torture, and murder of activists for standing up to a criminal dictatorial regime. It is a story of the continued genocide of marginalized people for not wanting to be ruled by a system that sees them as less than human. Unquote. Genoa 2001, Memories from the Front Lines. From CrimeThink, a 20-year anniversary retrospective on the year and the place using multiple sources like the hardcore zine Inside Front an upcoming PM press memoir, Barricada, etc. Many riot porn pictures as one would expect. Typical crime think history lesson, including this, the ending paragraph. Quote, We got on a train heading out of Italy to the Mediterranean coast of France. We were exhausted. I felt good, but my mind had been overworked. Still, deep down between the pain and angst, I knew that the whole experience had given me the feeling that the risks we took were worthwhile. We fought for our lives and our desires defended. Unquote. Can I just say fucking lol? Anarchists Constantina Athanasopoulou, Giannis Michaelitis, and Dimitra Valavani sentenced from Abolition Media Worldwide. Three Greek folks who have been arrested for things like armed robbery and inclusion in a revolutionary organization. Two of them escaped and were recaptured. Both are facing over 10 years inside. There are addresses for all of them. Write an anarchist prisoner today. Miscellaneous sabotage in France. From attack.noblogs.org. Lots of solidarity in France this week. From burned cars to broken windows. Quote, One morning while going to water the plants on Rue de la République in Villejuif, we noticed that during the night of 8.07 to 9.07, Alecco Vinci, the modular of the construction firm Vinci, had literally all of its front windows smashed. We suppose that this has to do with Vinci's involvement in the construction of CRA and prisons. It's nice. Cheers you up, and there are many more waiting, it seems. Kind regards, many kisses. Unquote. Concert Interrupted in Solidarity with Juan, Alfredo, and Anna from Il Robesio. A banner is raised at a concert in Italy. No information about why this particular concert was chosen, but really, any place is a good place, right? Responsibility Claimed by ALF from Athens in the Media. Two chained and neglected dogs in central Greece are freed. Quote, For us, the total release of human and non-human animals is a key part of our action. So we hope such actions will be an inspiration and a springboard for other comrades. 
as we have been inspired all these years by the thousands of animal releases. For total liberation and anarchy! ALF, Anarchist Counterinsurgency Case of Immediate Action. Unquote. From a Teo Operation Update from Malakota. This is actually an update about Natasia, who has been relocated to Rubivia Prison, where she is doing better and hoping to be in touch with Scriptomanet defendant Anna. The prison is also allowing Natasia to have video calls with family members and in general is being a bit more humane. Yay for small yet significant favors, right? Mm. There are links to donate funds and to write both Natasia and Beppe. NYC Anarchist Film Festival seeking content. Deadline extended one month by Anon. Current deadline is September 1st. Quote, entry guidelines. Entry should be sent to NYCAFF2021 at protonmail.com. We are accepting original short films of around 15 minutes and longer films of around 65 minutes. Entries should ideally be sent as a file attachment, a download, or a streaming link. Please include your name, a description of your entry, and a short bio. All entries must be sent by the end of September 1st. Unquote. I am thirsty! From azranarshism.com, a site that seems to be entirely in Persian, by Iranian anarcho-syndicalist prisoner Sohail Arabi, translated by Hassan Nima Golkar. A poetic rejection of central government and tyranny and killing. Quote, These tired and oppressed people want to be freed from oppression and tyrants. The people want to overthrow this ignorant and tyrannical regime. The least that people demand is the downfall of the corrupt, destructive, and tyrannical Mullah regime. Those who ignore the voice of the people, those who turn a blind eye to these crimes, are accomplices of these butchers. Listen, listen. They cry, I am thirsty! And instead of giving back the water, which is their right, the heart is pierced with bullets. Behold, those who target the thirsty with their bullets are the same religion-selling liars who take huge sums of money to blare their mourning of the thirsty lips of Karbala. Behold, behold, the earth is red with the blood of the people who wanted life and received no answer except bullets. Bullets, bullets, and bullets. Unquote. 15th NYC Anarchist Book Fair will be in-person and virtual. From Anon, quote, October 2nd, the book fair will be outside in an NYC community garden with film, art, music, books, zines, and workshops. October 3rd will be virtual with workshops and conversations with anarchists, activists, artists, and indigenous. The virtual book fair will be organized by Kunyangwe Atiguasu, Assembly of Guarani and Kiowa Indigenous Women Brazil, with translation in English, Spanish, and Portuguese support from the UCL Multimedia Anthropology Laboratory at www.uclmal.com, London. Our main topic this year will be Zero Money Equals Live in Mutual Aid, unquote. Anarchists, activists, artists, and indigenous. Anyone want to take bets on it being or indigenous? Maybe I'm too cynical. Against sectarianism from Contra Info, a statement by Monica Caballero Sepulveda and Francisco Solar Dominguez that recommends against purism and sectarianism and supports working with people who back up their talk with action. Unfortunately, because this is all in generalities, it will merely serve as more fodder for people to do whatever they want and feel self-righteous about it. 
It's really hard for texts like this to have enough specifics to help people actually understand what the writers are talking about, but not so specific that the overall message gets lost in the details of any given situation. But, you know, valiant effort, I guess. So what about vaccinations? From Athens Indie Media. Despite the commenters being excited about this post, it's a pretty straightforward compilation of skepticism about the state's message about COVID and how to stay safe. Some of the points seem not wrong, but oddly framed. Like, sure, messaging changed as they figured out more about how the disease spread. But okay, you can think that there's a conspiracy with the state having way more on the ball than they seem to, as far as I can tell. Thinking the state is not fully competent does not equal the state being a good actor, nor does it equal any of the vaccines being a no-brainer, good or bad idea. I guess we all get to decide what kind of villain the state is, where on the Keystone Cops to Machiavellian Kevin Spacey continuum we think we are for this plague. Audio and video. Bad news, July 2021, 37 minutes. First is bad news from Greece. Multiple instances of outrageous behavior from cops, including in the middle of a courtroom while a trial was going on. Then there's an interesting segment from a final straw interview of an actual anarchist, it seems like, on Afghanistan. Lastly, there's a disappointingly illegible segment about the Syrian revolution, a.k.a. Rojava, right, that they promised to clean up and have available in full on the A Radio Berlin site. This episode of Bad News is introduced by a cute bit about the final straw hosting us, the listeners, which is a nice bit of imaginative writing, if a bit awkwardly acted out. But keep it up, folks. Topic of the week, life after death. Do you strive for immortality? Many people who'd like to be remembered after they pass, and this goes for anarchists as well, we act with the hope of inspiring someone in the future with communiques. We dissect projects and organizations that have left this world and actions that have their moment, memorializing them with the hope of educating future rebels. We tell stories about those who have left us and break windows in their names in the hope that they won't be forgotten, and perhaps hope our friends, children, and strangers we inspire will do the same for us. What does life after death look like to you? How do you honor the past, people, actions, projects, and how do you want to be remembered? How do we carry the past into the future in a way that liberates rather than dominates? our sense of what's possible. Welcome everyone to the topic of the week, Life After Death. I am Max Rez, and I'm here with Octox. What are your thoughts on the uh, the topic of the week? Yeah, I think we have a lot of ground to cover. Um, we could go question by question, or, or we could go by whatever comes uh, first to mind. Uh, how would you like to approach it? Uh, well, let's start with what does life after death look like to you? I think that a lot of people um, in the comments talked about either how they would like to be remembered or um, how they try to honor things in the past. Yeah. In a literal, in a literal sense, I, I don't, I don't concern myself with, with what would happen uh, after I die. So uh, at least that 
that uh, aspect is is missing from my my thoughts. But obviously, we can think about time in a in a longer span, and we we see all the people that came before us and all the people that would come after us. And yeah, that, then there's there's a lot to talk about. If if you if we talk about the the people that are like the precedents that we look uh, up to, and then the people that uh, we would like to to continue our projects if we if we have such yet so we we could go on discussing those about the ways we communicate with those that came before and uh, those that that will come after us yeah i i think about how anarchists remember and i feel like it's a complicated thing because i think that like there's a great respect for people who came before just in general i i think that, like I said, it looks like maybe breaking a window and saying like, hey, this was for so-and-so who did this thing. But I also think that there, and it could also look like um, the way Batten talks about communing with the dead and communing with the past, um, which maybe we should talk about more. But I also think that there's a fear of immortality as well. Uh, that is especially true, I think, when it comes to projects, but also uh, may look like concern about what just generally the influence that the past has on the future uh, and a general desire to get away from it, uh, which, you know, there are different ways that that looks. There's the Freddie Perlman, like, capitalism is this undying beast that just incorporates the living into it. But I don't think we necessarily look the same way at our dead or uh, the spirits of those projects that we feel inspired by. Yeah, there's different ways uh, to look at it because obviously, depending on where you're from, there's different traditions to deal with mourning and to deal with memorializing. But in many cases, anarchism is like a secular imported uh, tradition that, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just making the distinction between the people that you knew in your life that you held dear versus like some past precedent, like maybe like some people mentioned the um, Spanish Revolutionary and Civil War and so on that are more like uh, examples that shine uh, to some people in history more than than like th this people where you have a more intimate relationship where maybe years after they, they've died, you've, you kind of like have them in your head still uh, saying, uh, responding to things like, um, you would remember like, oh, they would say this uh, in response to that or something. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. going from the theme of different memories, we know the, they have in, in Chile the day of the young combatant and uh, in Greece, they also have um, another uh, person that they memorialize. I forgot uh, his name. Uh, Alex Grigopoulos, I believe. Um, I, I can't do the last name. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that those things are uh, good. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think that they are inspiring. I feel like I see it a lot from... Greek anarchists, but I also see it from what I I think that a lot of like 
insurrectionary type anarchists, uh, both in the US and in Latin America. Like I see a lot of like, this action is in this person's name or that that sort of thing. And um, that is, I think, what constitutes life after death for a lot of people is that sort of like, we're going to keep their memory alive in that way. There's also obviously like, if, if we're talking about like, events like the Spanish Civil War, or we're talking about people like Jules Bonneau, like books are written about these people, plays, poetry, that kind of stuff uh, that keep their memories alive. I feel like in terms of like how we are remembered, I feel like people who are remembered, and this applies to anarchists as well as in general, um, means that you being remembered people whose legacies continue uh that means that you either have good friends good enemies or you have a good publicist and um that i think that that's like what i think of as far as like life after death yeah i think uh one could make the distinction just to to complicate things not it's not a dichotomy but you know uh the distinction could be made if you're using the dead's name to give weight and significance to your action or if you're offering that action to their memory because you are fond of them and it's like a gift and you know i think there's a lot of um politicking that that is using people that were loved during their life in order in order to bolster their cause not so much maybe to like uh as an offering or something that that person would have liked uh, while alive. But yeah, that's just a common point. Yeah. And I think that that's like the difference I would say between something like uh, you see these actions pop up. I'm thinking about Greece and like, or uh, some things maybe in Chile or around where you'll, you'll see like the so-and-so cell, like we're the like, or a communique is issued the like Will Spronson cell, which is, uh, you know, this, this action is claimed in their name and it, it really is just like a momentary thing where they like did an action and they named themselves after this person in order to like, say like, we are honoring their memory. We, this is, uh, in their name because we're keeping their memory alive and doing what we think that, they would enjoy and we enjoy it as well versus something like uh well ideologies that have a name like maoism for example where it's like the name of the person is that weight that says like we are doing things the way that mao zedong wanted it done we are following the roadmap or something like that where the the dead really are just like whatever they are lending weight to that and haunting people in that way. Yeah. There's uh, before, uh, since you mentioned Wilhelm, um, I will transition to the, to the topic of, of communicates. But before that, now that you mentioned the word haunting, you know, there's different types of, of hauntings and you know what one, one can remember uh, someone uh, in a way that's like a haunting. It's like um, an insistent memory that keeps popping up. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing any type of, uh, you know, like a concrete thing to memorialize them. It's just, you know, the memory can still live on without the the specific acts of uh, of memorializing a 
which I, I'm, you know, not to speak against these acts, but just to mention, you know, there's different ways of remembering and different types of haunting as well. Um, you mentioned here communiques. Um, there's the type that are intended to be read after the person that has carried out the actions has died, like in the case of the Willem Vance Bronson and Mikhail. Uh, the, the, the Russian kid who blew himself up in the yeah. police station. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I I don't know the last name, but we know who we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. So both of them did that, but then you have the conspiracy cells of fire, which they were communicating back and forth with their communiques uh, and still communicate uh, from prison. So you know that they were speaking to a future, but you know the the latency is less. They were almost speaking real time, you could say, with their contemporaries. Whereas, obviously, there's people that write a big tome and they're still read hundreds of years later. So there's different types of relationships with the future. Yeah, I think the difference there, I'm thinking about like memory as a social thing, uh, which is part of what I was talking about in this topic of the week, which I wrote um, as like, you know, you are speaking to others about why you lived or why you did something and you have ideas about hey, how they should think about it and how you, how you want them to think about you and what you did. But letter or the epistle model, I guess you could say of someone like the uh, conspiracies of cells of fire, you can write notes to lots of people or write communiques, even to yourself, you know, where you might, if you keep a journal, like revisit it and say like, okay, like I'm writing myself a note in the future, writing myself in the future, a note from the past saying like, here's why I was thinking about this, or here's what I was doing which is not a social thing, but is the past communicating to the future. It, it's interesting to think about how those things compare. Yeah, it's a very funny comparison now that you mentioned that, because uh, I totally disregard my past self and whatever, you know, <laughs> whatever commands I gave myself, like, okay, so today you're going to do this. Then I wake up that day. No shit, I'm not doing that. I'm doing something else. <laughs> so yeah, scheduling sometimes is tricky. But, you know, um, do you do you keep your own promises to yourselves or to others? Uh, switching back to that other way of phrasing it, because uh, here there's mention of honor. So uh, have you ever made any vows or I mean, you don't have to speak in first person. Uh, do you know any examples of, of vows or promises or things like that? Yeah, I generally think of promises as important as far as like social entities go and um i don't i mean i certainly i've done things that have gone against what i said i would do or like not honored my own commitments to myself or other people at times i feel like everyone does but um if we're talking about honor it brings up the question of like what is the weight of that? Like, what does it mean to like break a promise or what does it mean to uh, remember someone or forget someone or remember something someone did or forget something someone did. And I feel like it, it gives some weight to that, which, you know, thinking about like Sterner, for example, this sort of like, 
well, who cares if anyone thinks that I'm inconsistent? I'm consistent to myself in the here and now. And if you consider me like a dishonest person or something, like, well, tough, I've changed and you you don't have a claim to who I am and what I'm doing. Uh, which like, I don't know, I think there's truth to that, but I also think that that way of thinking about it is potentially fractious or creates a weirdness, a social weirdness that like is probably not how you want to interact with other people. So yeah, I mean, I guess I would say like, I see a social value in honoring those kinds of commitments, uh, regardless of whether I in the past is not the same as me in the, in the present. Yeah. There's something that comes into play that um, it wouldn't at first sight seem like we're going to talk about this, but there's the matter of technology and uh, writing in specific, because this reminds me of a short story that I will not remember the name and I will not be able to link it because I've looked for it and sometimes I will remember it. But basically what it tries to explore is that when uh, tribal communities uh if they made a pact between themselves, maybe it's uh, a dispute about territory or or anything, you know, they can make promises and they can transmit this promise through generations and through their lineage in their clan. But if it's not written down, um, memory is imperfect. So it might change over time or they might change it on purpose to better suit their circumstances. So it's memories like a, a living, breathing thing. But when things get put down in writing, like you, let's say a book or a constitution or some commandment set in stone, then it begins to be cumbersome eventually when things change so much where it's like a, a straight jacket going down the line uh, for hundreds of years after it was written down. So yeah, um, the some types of of crude ways to attain immortality or or you could say uh not permanence but yeah to to last a little longer some ways are clumsier than than others so what do you have to say to that yeah i think especially i think about like social media uh the excess you could say of information we have about people is really overwhelming in a way or creates a kind of like like how do you remember someone because i don't know for example like you have this communique that someone issued in their name but then you have their like facebook profile and their instagram profile and things like that which like you get a lot of just like details about someone's life that are like a lot of which may be like unflattering or make them appear incongruous, but like, and I, I don't know, even having that stuff like archived, I think it does change how we remember things, but also like, even when it's written down, I feel like remembering who someone was or different things about them changes depending on who you are and how you choose to remember them. Um, but I do think that, yeah, I, I agree. Like having, having a book or having a communique that's been written down that will potentially live forever until whatever the sun superheats or global warming destroys internet cables, etc. It does make being remembered a lot easier 
it, it does make it harder to like potentially harder to tell the story and not have that memory be like whatever overwhelming into the present because it's like a literal book or a little written word rather than a like story that is being told. Uh, I, I guess the story is told through our individual like stories we tell about someone. Where would you like to go? You mentioned uh, about stories now because this was an a aspect of memory. Mm -hmm. uh, did we touch on? Yeah, just yeah, my mind just went haywire because you mentioned about Twitter and stuff, and I was like, damn! Imagine if like the all these historical people, like uh, the Spanish Civil War and and uh, <laughs> the 1917 Revolution, they all had Twitter, and we had all the all the logs about what what went down, and will they be highly regarded or 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 less regarded or discounted or I don't know. Sure, sure. Because even politicians now have Twitter and all that. Yeah, I don't know. What would Mike knows Twitter be like or... <laughs> sure. So what do we go to now? I'm lost a bit. Well, let's... Um, how do we carry the future in a way that liberates rather than dominates our sense of what's possible? Because I think that, that that question relates to like the past dominating the future. Like, it, like you're bringing up with like having a written word or something like that yeah there, there's obviously you know what they say about uh histories written by pictures um because um let's say some whatever so okay let's say some groups that were trying to challenge the status quo they wrote some things down but maybe they're still uh shelved away or easily forgotten even though they they wrote a whole lot versus you know, what they teach in schools, since elementary school. So yeah, in a way, there have to be efforts to contest that etching in stone of, of a memory that is also like a program. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at projects like the Anarchist Library, for example, as a uh, an attempt to memorialize. Like it's an archive of um, obviously like books and essays, not people's Facebook feeds, but um, an attempt to, it's, it is a memorial to the past that you can access to influence you in the present, uh, which I think is a positive and does create that sort of space where this is not official memory in the sense that it's not how the news remembers someone if they remember them at all. Although it does you know, what, what you are being given is what this person wrote in a kind of like, you know, who is Bob Black? Bob Black is the person who wrote this essay or that essay. Bob Black is not the person who fucking yells at people on Facebook that he's going to kill them or something like that, uh, which like is one way to view people. And maybe that's a good way and maybe that's a, a bad way. Um, I, I think that like even whatever, we were just talking about how social media is kind of a troublesome thing or a bad thing. But I do think that in another way, uh, when I think about the past, when I read about people in the past, how they're written about in books where like, you know, even in official memory, there are a lot of details about people who lived while ago that are still like not flattering portrayals of them or it's gossip or something that made it into the canon of how someone might be remembered. But I, I think that those details about how someone lived are not necessarily a bad thing, even when they're unflattering, because it does keep them from being put up on too much of a pedestal or, you know, put lets me think about my own life and say, like, OK, like we're not that different, even if they they did something that was like totally 
cool or whatever. They also had these private moments where they worried or doubted or you know, whatever, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and that puts into contrast, uh, you know, the, the very obvious difference between someone you knew personally where all those words uh, come to no surprise because that's how you knew the mass versus the people that uh, reputation at a distance. And that's how personality cults form. But, you know, there's two kinds. There's the ones that form during the person's life. There's the parts that come afterwards uh, because of all the stories that were written down. You know, thinking about that, about the distance, because first we, we we talked about history, about um, time as, as a distant. You know, people you, you speak to, to people who might read you next week, or you speak to your children who will outlive you, or you speak to two generations from now. And there's also distance where it's like people from around the world that you only read of and never met and then there's also the memory of people you knew your, your whole life it's two it's different things but um what i would uh try to point towards or what i was thinking about when you mentioned uh, the library is that yeah there's there's like a type of dead memory and a type of living memory and it's the living one that obviously um, does things or carries on the dead memory it's it's not totally dead it's like you could say minerals where the living can like take different things and, and feed themselves with it. But yeah, uh, the metaphor falls apart. So yeah, what, what were you going to say? I'm talking about text, <laughs> not mineral, minerals, but. Sure. Sure. Well, I mean, it's like, a, it's like mana, right? It's just like, here's food for you uh, to like feed your thoughts or maybe to make you feel like hopeful or maybe to like ruin your sense of hope because I'm like writing from you, writing to you about like how you can struggle all you want and still not get what you get. You still not get what you want. Yeah. Sustenance or challenge that I think is a good version of memory or thinking about how we communicate. Uh, one thing that was on my mind when I was writing this was actually uh, where I am. I've talked with a lot of more than a few insurrectionary anarchists who are almost paradoxically very into the sort of blessed is the flame. Like I need to act out without hope that my act will accomplish anything, whatever, but also like whatever they issue communiques constantly about what they do in the hope that other people will read what they've done and they will inspire them in the way that you were just talking about. And I mean, whatever, I think that that is in itself a kind of hope uh, that is not of the moment I'm just acting out for the sake of like acting in the here and now. And um, I, I think that that's a little complicated. I can see why you might feel both ways, but I do think it's challenging to speak and hope that people will listen because often they don't or i think i think it's very easy for us to imagine a situation in which someday our memories will not be here anymore and i think that that can be like kind of a sad or a scary thing uh maybe if you yourself say like okay well as someone in the comments did like i'm dead it doesn't matter if i'm remembered or not because i am dead true or not i think that if we're not necessarily talking about people 
talking about our acts and thinking about how we went downtown last night and broke a bunch of windows. I, I did not do this personally, but like, you know, whatever, imagining that kind of action. And we issued a communique and we were trying to inspire people or here's why we did it. Or maybe, you know, it's because like we were doing it in the name of a friend who died, like imagining like, well, what if no one reads this? Or like, it maybe this falls on ears that do not hear it the way that I wish it would be heard. And it just sort of disappears into the void. I think that that can be sadder to think about because you aren't dead. Your action is dead in a way. I mean, it, it lives in you, but it's not accomplishing the communicative uh, act that you hoped it would. Yeah, there's different kinds of hope there's the hope that you mentioned about that's like the, like the person that throws the message in a bottle and you know there's a slim chance someone will read it but it, but it's there and they they carry out that symbolic act but there's also you know the the hope in capital r revolution and some people that say that all the struggles of the past will be redeemed once that big act uh happens and it's the end of history and whatnot but That reminds me of, uh, there's this novel called Pedro Paramo, which, spoiler alert, all of the people in the town from old time live together uh, as ghosts. And it, it's like a purgatory for old times. Everyone's just buried there because the, you know, they, they whatever, uh, silly mechanics. But the, the priest that was supposed to forgive their sins so that they could go to heaven was uh, removed of his capacity to do so. So they were all damned anyways, even if they, they did all the things. So, oh, I mean, the dead remember themselves, but no one else remembers them in that case. And they're just like reliving their things over and over again. And I don't know. The point of that is sometimes it's uh, a more pleasing thought to think that people will forget and that you will forget and that there will be nothing rather than a memory that keeps on repeating itself, which is like a purgatory. So, yeah, that's there to contrast. Yeah. And that was, um, I think I said this earlier, like the i think there are like better and worse ways of remembering and obviously like this image of the undying is sometimes a scary thing i mean zombies are scary for reason i guess and this like i'm trying to remember i think it was something that zizek said in the pervert's guide to cinema this idea of the undying father You know, this sort of like memory becomes authoritative. Uh, it diminishes our creativity because we are uh, constantly striving to reenact it or feel guilty when we fall short. That is a, I would, I would say like an oppressive memory uh, in a way that even like a promise that you make can and might not be. But Um, I think about like uh, the global justice movement uh, when I was in college in the mid to late aughts, we would show, I mean, this was not that far removed from Seattle 99, but we would show this movie and I don't think it was breaking the spell. I, it was something else. I think that was just like talking about how awesome it was that everyone came together and disrupted the uh, trade meeting. But it was a thing that I think a lot of people, that was the model. That was the thing that people constantly wanted to reenact. And I think history kept, re it kept reenacting and colonizing people's memories for like maybe a good decade after it happened, where I remember going to protests much later on where like, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like no trade meetings had been disrupted since then. And like, 
people were still trying to do it, but had like at that point, you know, a decade later kind of lost the plot. It had become something else, which you could say, well, it escaped the tyranny of the memory because it was just something else. It was just a like protest where people were there to like mess with stuff. They didn't really think that they could like disrupt it anymore. But I think that it was still people still had this in their hearts that like we could we can do it again or that we need to attack a certain thing in a certain way that I think did create that sort of like undying parent that sort of like memory that you have a hard time getting away from even though it has become possessive or poisonous or you know you're you're unable to like move in a way because of it and how do you get rid of that type of uh, haunting what things do you do to kickstart your creativity or imagination when when that happens well in the case of actions we lost a lot <laughs> if you want to use that language like a lot of stuff failed or came up short And I think that escaping the past in that situation or escaping that memory or that way of remembering that was uh, mostly a matter of like not getting what I wanted and then like thinking about things differently, uh, becoming more critical of what what I had believed before. So I, I guess the experience of losing kind of set me free from the memory, even though I, I didn't have that memory myself because I was not in Seattle. <laughs> I don't think there's any shortage of people who hold on to certain projects or certain actions and point to them and say like, well, this is how it should be done or like do it again. Um, I, can, I can think of some specific trolls on A News who love to bring up uh, past actions that they were a part of that they will not let people forget, which is, uh, I guess, a way of memorialize, memorializing them. But also like there are cases in which like some things are, are best left forgotten or perhaps like remembered in a different way. Yes. And, uh, you know, we could go on forever with this topic, but for For now, uh, I'm going to say goodbye to everyone who's listening. Thank you for being here with us. Uh, have a nice day. Goodbye. This week's podcast was sound edited by Greg. The What's New was written. Uh, by Chisel and Red by Chisel and a Friend. We Hello! Think... <laughs> and we thank Max Rez and Octox for the help with the topic of the week, Life After Death. To learn more, an anarchist and anti-political books, pamphlets, and other material are available at littleblackcart.com for news by and or about anarchists and up-to-the-minute commentary. See you at anarchistnews.org and or the Anarchist News IRC chat room linked on A News. Uh, we hope this podcast is useful to and fun for anarchists and the anarcho-curious. Podcast! Remember that one week I read everything as Rahava? I remember people telling us that it was not pronounced that way. Fuck if I know.